the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Praise God. Our text is taken from Second uh, Peter, rather, chapter 1 and verse 3. We have one singular verse we're going to talk about this morning. And the message is a revelation of God's presence. How do we discern the presence of God in our lives? You know, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on great artworks. I'm not an expert on masterworks of arts. I'm not a sophisticated I'm not sophisticated enough to critique uh, someone's work and artistry. But I can distinguish certain works by certain people. And I can certainly appreciate a nice drawing or a nice painting. For example, the illustrations of the great American artist Norman Rockwell is so identifiable and distinguishable that one look at an illustration, and you know without a doubt that that was done by Norman Rockwell because of his distinctive style of illustrating and because of the subject matter that he chooses to paint. His over 40 years of, of prolific work uh, have, has captured the identity and shaped an entire nation through his depiction of the American life. Uh, and, and he had over 80, 800 rather, drawings and paintings that graced the Saturday Evening Post. But one painting stood out. It was the Thanksgiving edition of the Saturday Evening Post from 1951 called uh, Saying Grace. It's about a Thanksgiving, uh, a, 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 a woman praying a prayer during Thanksgiving. And it sold for a record $46 million in 2013. Just goes to show you that that artist has impacted the lives of so many people that his imprint that he has placed in his art still captivates people today. The subject revealed the artist. And that's the way we are with God. In our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His imprint can be seen in our lives. The Bible says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That's in Ephesians 2.10. That means God's identifiable and discernible presence is evident in the lives of those who are in Christ. And God, let me tell you, loved ones, God reveals His presence to His people. And I want us to really receive that this morning, that He, he doesn't hide His presence. He reveals it to His people. Now, God reveals His presence both individually and corporately. And I want to I wanna emphasize that. God reveals His presence both to the individual and to the corporate body of believers. God doesn't 
just doesn't reveal himself to a singular person. He always, always validates his presence through the affirmation of other people in the church, in the body of Christ. There is a validation that God is present in our lives. God is present in our lives. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the great purposes for the church is to validate the presence of God in this world through his people. Otherwise, we're liable to say things and do things that are inconsistent with what God has already revealed about himself through his word. So the question we're going to answer this morning is, how does God reveal his presence in our lives? How do we discern it? How do we know it's really God? How do we know that it's really God's presence that is at work in you and I. You know, I've been Christian, I've been a Christian a long time, enough to know that we can do much for God in the power of the flesh. You know, this is something that we can accomplish in the seeing of the world. You know, we can, we can put up a godly life. We can put up a, a godly facade. We could, we could, we could pass for someone whose life is really uh, run by the Spirit of God or that God is present. But we can do many things in the power of the flesh. So it's, it's important for us to understand how to discern that God is really at work. You know, I grew up in church, uh, in a large church, and I could remember as a young man, you know, hearing... People talk to each other and say to each other, you know what, the Lord spoke to me the other day. You know, I always felt like, okay, well, you know, how come that person hears from God and how come other people don't hear the same thing, you know? You hear people say things like, you know, the Lord appeared to me the other day. You know, those, I'm not doubting the fact that God can do what he says he will do, that he can speak or he can appear to someone even. But I guarantee you, God will validate that experience through other people who are also in the body of Christ. And I, I, I want us to, to think about that, you know, a, a little more soberly. God's word and God's presence is validated and affirmed by the church. So it can be discerned. You can know, and I can know that God is at work in my life. You can know that God is at work in your life. There are three ways we can discern God's presence in our life. And somebody say amen that there's only three that I'm going to talk about this morning. So say, say amen. You know, if I start saying things like seven or eight things, I heard a sermon this morning. The guy says, I'm, there are 21 things that we need to, and uh, you're not in that church this morning. So I'm giving you three. So you'll be out of here by 2.30 this afternoon, and uh, you can all have your lunch then. <laughs> Three ways to discern God's presence in our life. Number one, God provides His people the power to be perfect. And some of you are just ready to slip off your chairs. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean God gives me the power to be perfect? Only God is perfect. Well, it depends on our understanding of the word perfect. In the Bible, perfection as it applies to us simply means 
we have the power to be holy. That's all it means. Okay, so don't be scared of the word perfect. When God says, you know, I am going to make you perfect, don't be scared about that word. And when the Bible says be holy, don't be scared about that word holy because it is God's work in our life. He gives us the power to be perfect. The word holy is the, w the same word. And it means to be set apart for God's, listen, for God's honor and for God's use. So when we say we are being perfected by God or that God is making us holy, He's doing two things, okay? He's giving us the power to be able to honor His name and also to be used by Him. That's very important. So many of us, when we think about the, ho the word holy, we automatically think, well, you know, I'm, I need to be holy. That means I, I have to stop doing bad things. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, when you hear the word holy, that's, that's the extent of it. You know, I'm a Christian. I need to be holy. Therefore, I need to stop sinning. You know, I need to start doing all of these good things because I'm trying to honor God. But there's another aspect of the word holy. And that is, that is a qualification that God uses so that we can serve Jesus, so we can serve Christ. That's very important. So holiness carries two things. The ability to honor God with our lives and also to qualify us to serve the Lord. So two things. Remember that. It's not just the fact that we're supposed to avoid these bad things. We also need to know that unless we are being perfected, unless God says, I'm making you holy, you can't serve me. And listen, to serve is to serve Christ. Don't confuse serving Christ with serving the cause of Christ. Okay? I want to say that again. Don't confuse serving Christ with serving the cause of Christ. We are being perfected by God so we can serve Christ, not the causes of Christianity. Okay? There's a disconnect that happens because when you think that holiness is simply not doing bad things, then automatically we think, okay, well, then I can simply serve Jesus, serve the cause of Jesus, do all of these things that Jesus will approve of, and therefore that qualifies me serving Christ. But that isn't true. We're not serving a cause. We're serving a person. We're serving Jesus. And holiness is important because it qualifies us to do so. Uh, what are some of the causes that Christians should get involved with? Okay, there's so many. All right. The big one now in our world is the social justice issue. All right. Social justice. Many Christians are, are now getting into this thing about, you know, social justice. Now, certainly it's a good cause. Certainly it's a good Christian cause. But there is a difference between serving a cause that is validated by Jesus and serving Jesus. What's the difference? Let me explain. You can fight 
for ju social justice, but you don't have to be holy to do so. All right? You can fight for any cause. In this case, social justice. You want to fight social justice? You can fight for social justice and not be holy. In fact, you can be living an idolatrous life right now. You know, you could be cheating on your wife. You could be doing drugs and still stand out there and fight for social justice. But in the sight of God, it means nothing. Because what qualifies us to serve God is holiness. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. What does he mean by that? It means unless it is based on the continuing work of the Spirit of God in our lives, perfecting us, making us holy, separating us from the things that are not consistent with what God says, anything we do, it doesn't matter how noble that cause may be, in the sight of God, it's incomplete. Because God qualifies us to serve on the basis of that perfection. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Why is that so, you know, so important? Because so many people, you know, they, they, they turn the gospel into the gospel of works. We're not saved by the good things we do. We are saved by putting our faith in Jesus. I, can I emphasize that this morning? We are not saved by the good things we do. In fact, the only way our good works will be valid is when we do put our faith in Jesus and that the process of being perfected has started. That's how it works in Christianity because Christianity doesn't play with issues. The gospel doesn't, doesn't deal with the issues that we face in life. It's not about that. You know, when you, when you uh, say that, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of injustice in our society, therefore let us correct the injustices. That's a mistake. The gospel is not about correction. The gospel is about transformation. The gospel didn't say, when you preach the gospel... If you're correcting the issues of the past. How long have we been fighting for these issues? We've been fighting for them forever. Unless the heart is transformed, issues will never be corrected. These this problems that we're having here today, unless God changes and transforms the heart of a person, we will be having this 50 years from now. Same thing. Nothing will change because God says, I transform. Don't even try to correct. If the heart is transformed, correction will come. Amen? That's how the gospel works. Jesus says, before you point the speck on your brother's eye. No, I didn't understand this before. Before you pull out the speck on your brother's eye, make sure you pull out the log in your own eye. You're looking at that speck of dust in your brother's eye, but you have a telephone pole right on your eye. What does he mean by that? It says, unless you are redeemed, unless you are transformed from the inside, you cannot be an agent of redemption to somebody else. That's why Jesus is the perfect Savior. He died on the cross because he was perfect. And we can trust him to be our Savior. We can trust him to transform our lives. That's what the gospel is. 
And, and all of these social gospels, all of these gospels that are, that are thriving out of good works, God is saying, no, no. Unless I transform your heart, you cannot serve Jesus. When you and I serve Jesus, and we, you and I venture on to make sure that one heart is transformed, one heart at a time, then things will change. That's when societal change can happen. It's called a revival. How do I know that a city is in a revival? The divorce rates go down. All right? Crime goes down. All right? Cheating goes down. That's how you know there's revival in the land. The heart is being transformed. So when people say, well, you know, we're having revival at church. We're having this. We're having that. How do you know you're having revival? How do you know the presence of God is in the church? You know, there's a lot of people that are really moving forward, moving up, advancing their lives for the glory of God. That's how we know. You know, there's a, a, a you know, they're they talking about a, a revival happening in the city. And you're saying that, the, that God is moving in a city. How do you know God is moving in a city? Uh, when crimes go down, when suicide rates go down, when abortions go down. That's how you know. That's how I know. Because the presence of God is experienced through that perfecting process. We can fight for any cause that we want. Name your cause. You can fight till you're blue in the face. But unless the heart is transformed, nothing will ever happen. Now, this thing called holiness, it's a communicable attribute of God. When I say communicable, I simply mean that God says, go ahead. I am holy. You can be holy. God allows us to copy that attribute. There are certain things that God says we are allowed to copy from Him. One of them is holiness. One of them, another one is, you know, being kind. Another is being, you know, generous. These are attributes of God that, sa that He says we can copy. Uh, don't try to copy Jesus walking on water. You're not allowed to do that. Don't jump off a cliff and say, oh, I'm following Jesus, I'm jumping off a cliff, and God will, and his angels will pull me out. No, you're going to see Jesus face to face. That's what's going to happen, all right? So, so don't, don't, don't try these things, okay? But God says, I have certain attributes that I want you to copy. Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. So you and I are free to copy that. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, that's a sign that God is present. Look at the verse again. His divine power has given us everything we need for our what? For a godly life. So what is perfection? Perfection simply means we have the ability to live a godly life. And Jesus promises that we can do it. Guess what? We certainly can. The first sign that God has really revealed himself to us as a, as a Christian is that there's that move towards being separated from the world. There's that hunger and thirst for truth. Do you do, you do that in the quiet moments of your life? Do you have that hunger for rightness and for, for truth? You know, when you pray, 
do some self-examination like I do. You know, none of us are perfect in this room, so we need to do some self-examination, right? And one of the things that, that we need to do in order to discern the presence of God is, is to measure how much we long for rightness. You know, you turn on the TV and you're seeing all of the things that are going on, all of the bad things that are going on. The first impression in your heart should be, there's got to be something that can right the wrongs that are going on, right? There's got to be something right. That longing is the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to you, keep on longing for that rightness. Keep on longing for that truth. That's the cry of every soul of a Christian. Every single one of us are crying for us, crying for that because we're living in a broken world. And we, need, we know that, the pre that God is present when there's that inkling in the inside that says, one day things will be made right. But until then, I'm going to live a godly life. We have that longing in the inside of us for a perfect world. Right? For a perfect world. A perfect world will not come until the divine ultimately invades the temporal. Until then, we have to live holy lives. That life that God says we ought to live and it's going to be realized in the coming kingdom. To be perfect means to have the ability to live a godly life in a broken world. That's why Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I've always had trouble with that verse. <laughs> be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Why did Jesus say that in the first place? Now, let me read to you the context. Give me these few minutes to offer the context of why Jesus said that. The context of that passage, it's in, it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, by the way. The context of that statement is found on verse 43. Okay? Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, are, you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is saying to be perfect is not to copy the righteousness of the world, but to separate from it. Do not do things in the flesh. Do not fight for something and say, okay, well, you know, this is the right fight. No, first recognize that the heart has to be changed, that you're not copying the righteousness of the world, that I'm not copying the righteousness of the world. We need to, ad don't address the issues, address the human heart. When you address the human heart, the issues will fall into place. How do we create a perfect world? Transforming one heart at a time. We need to share the gospel one person at a time. That's the commandment. One perfect heart at a time. Transform the heart. 
then the issues will be corrected. Now, there's a second way that we can discern God's presence and his involvement. And that is, God projects his precepts on a single promise. God projects his precepts on a single promise. Okay, look at the second portion of that verse again. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us. What are God's precepts? Very simply put, God's precepts are his commandments. His commandments. God's presence in our lives is always accompanied by our awareness of His commandments. That's the work of the Spirit of God. That's how you know the Holy Spirit of God is working in you and I. There is that awareness of the Word of Christ. That you know what Jesus said. 